In a world filled with information, where do you turn to get straight talk about retirement, investments, and your money? Lock it in to the longest-running financial talk show in Arkansas and let us help you build the bridge between information and application. Real financial change begins right here, and it starts with you. It's showtime! Hey, ever wonder why people worry about money? Maybe it's because our parents never told us much about it. On today's show, setting the next generation up to make better financial decisions. This is the Get Ready for the Future show. Hi, everybody. Welcome in to the Get Ready for the Future show. My name is Scott Inman, along with me, John Shrewsbury and Janet Walker. Hello to you both. Hello. Well, wow, you did it in unison there. It happens sometimes. It does happen in stereo. Well, setting up the next generation to win, that is the subject of today's Get Ready for the Future show. We're talking about our kids, uh, doing it for the kids, right? And I mentioned in the intro there uh, that maybe that parents didn't talk about it. And when I think about this theme, this uh, subject matter. I think about that being one of the biggest things is that we we came up in generations where really it wasn't cool to talk about money. And, right. and I think that still exists to a large degree today. We don't want to share our struggles with our kids. We want them to be okay. So we don't really tell them when things are tough and the dis- decisions we have to make around that. But I also think about, because I could definitely do a better job as a parent, talking to my children about it. and I have uh, four ranging from 21 so I've, and then I have 18, 18 and 12 so varying degrees mm-hmm. of what kind of interaction I need to have with them. But especially as I think about the way my older three are starting to behave with money, I like a lot of what I'm seeing and it makes me realize that maybe there were just modeling behaviors that they saw mm-hmm. too. So it's two things. It's talking yeah. about it, but it's also modeling behaviors as we dive into this subject. Yeah, I, th- I think it's important for you to understand what, what you've really just pointed out, Scott. We are teaching them about money whether we intend to teach them or not right. because they are going to have those observations. So if you want them to learn something different than what you're actually doing, like maybe you're in a situation where you have credit card debt. You don't want to have it, but it's where you are and you're trying to get out of it. Then it, it's a good idea to share with them the journey that got you to that point and why you wish you had done things differently. Yeah, and I think that, uh, you know, oftentimes parents feel inadequate because of their own money struggles mm-hmm. that they don't really know exactly how to teach folks uh, about money. And I think education is the key. I think the more you know about something, the less fearful you are of it, the less uh, intimidated you are of it. And I think you're seeing that kind of show up in in uh, this generation of yeah. young people because they're not getting some instruction that they need. And we didn't get instruction. Uh, obviously, it didn't happen in, in my high school or junior high years. Right. Didn't happen in yours. Everything that I know about money, I learned way after my formal education. And so clearly education is the key to make this thing work. And I think that's why you see a lot of people fearful about money today, even adults, because they don't really understand anything about money, finance, investing, any of that stuff, because there's just no foundation there. And we know the importance of talking about money. We know the problems it can create. Money worries we know are on the rise. Many young people feel high levels of stress. Money is near the top of their worry list. You know, for decades, money has been one of the leading causes of divorce, right? So you're teaching your kids Mm -hmm. how to get a family, get a job, but the money thing can drag them apart, right? And I I think when you say education, that brings up the other point of this is that we're not 
teaching it in schools. Uh, I think more and more we are. Yeah. I, I, I have yeah. seen that at, at uh, where my kids go to school. In fact, in, in college at, at Washtenaw Baptist, my girls are right now taking a financial literacy class or financial education. So it's happening, but it's not happening on the level it needs to. And when we think about education, we're teaching our kids how to go out and get a job. And I think even as parents, we're so focused on the degree. We're f- so focused on the, the, the piece of paper that will get them a better paycheck. We don't spend the time I think it takes to teach them how to spend it. I really think that oftentimes a better paycheck is not necessarily the answer. Mm. Yeah. Uh, I think that if you have more money, you will have more problems if you don't have discipline about, about the money that you have now. Uh, I've seen people go from making, let's just call it $50,000 a year to $75,000 a year. And the money problems just followed them right. because yeah. they didn't really know what to do with the money that they had at 50. Mm. And at 75, they certainly don't know yeah. what to do with it. You, you rise to the level of, of your income as far as your spending level. Right. That, that is something we see very often. I, I'll circle back to the education point for just a moment. Um, we're, my daughter is in her sophomore year in high school, and we're kind of looking at, all right, how many, what classes do you have to take over the next two years in which areas, you know, to be done with everything? And she'll be done with math um, this summer. Now, that's as far as the required classes. When we start thinking about what classes are required, there is a course offered called Consumer Math that most students, frankly, do not take. If you go the typical algebra geometry route, then Mm -hmm. you're not going to take a Mm -hmm. Consumer Math class. She has asked to take that specifically in her senior year, not her junior year, in her words, Mom, I'm going to be closer to needing to know that because Mm -hmm. it is the practical aspect of money, and I want to take that right before I get out of high school. Mm. Isn't that the big shortfall these days in in curriculum versus utilization of education? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Is that the practical things often don't get taught. We Mm -hmm. see that as employers sometimes. I mean, and not to knock on, like, trig and calculus. My mom was a math teacher. I come from a long line of math teachers, frankly, and I took those classes, but I, to this day have never used trig or calculus but i but i use consumer math every day of my life yeah i think it's interesting too because not to get too psychological we've got things to talk about in this show but when you think about it as parents there are certain things we don't want schools teaching our kids right right right. so so if that puts it back on what this show's about that the parents are responsible to some degree a because they're not getting it in school but b because it is our role yeah i think as parents to to teach our kids about money so today obviously there's a lot of reasons for this we talked about the stress we talked about that we we can talk about too the fact that uh, young adults are not uh, going out on their own and living their own lives uh, at, at the same age that they once were. Only one in four young adults today are quote-unquote financially independent. Now, we should point out that's not the financially independent we're talking about on this show most most weeks. We're not talking about independently funding your own life without a paycheck. We're talking about being able to just pay the bills, receive income, and not depend on your parents to pay the bills. The age now, one in four do it at, by age 22. Now, that's the average age of an undergraduate degree right you're usually four years in after college is over you're at 22 you have a degree that's the time you need to be out of the house right well only one in four doing that now according to the pew research center that's down from one in three who were there by that age in 1980 so Mm -hmm. things are changing and there's a lot of reasons for that obviously the economy and things like that but things are going prices are going up because that's the other part of this is the cost of buying a house today 
is much steeper than it was when our grandparents were buying homes. Now, you know that from inflation, but even when you adjust for inflation and rising salaries, John, it is harder to become on your own financially than it was 50 years ago. It is, and I think there's there's some mindset things that are in play here too. Uh, I don't discount what you say about that, Scott, but but I think that oftentimes, you know, when you have uh, just suddenly headlines talking about six or seven percent inflation rate or what have you. Well, look, I remember when I was in my twenties. Interest rates were like 15% and inflation rate was like 18% mm-hmm, or something mm-hmm, like that. And so that does age you or date it, you right there. It does. Yeah. Yeah. It does. It was back in the late 70s yeah. and early 80s when all that was going on. So we've seen this movie before, and it's not like that other generations haven't gone through right. what this generation is dealing with right now. But oftentimes, you know, it's like the old adage if you think you can or you think you can't, under any circumstance, either circumstance, you're right. And so oftentimes, we get overwhelmed by you know the the news if you will of the current circumstances and that does kind of play in to what people think they're capable of doing and i think that if you look at this janet it's one of those things that that uh, i i believe that if you are educated properly yeah. about money then you are much more willing ready and able to take on the challenge i i would agree with that and i I don't think it's any surprise to our listeners to know that you know in our homes we talk about money a whole lot it's Mm -hmm. just it's just second nature um and my son he's going to be 19 next month and he's even though it's not a full-time job he's got his first grown-up job you know it's not mowing the yard for mom and dad this is a legit job with a paycheck and so we're having those conversations now when he comes home with a check twice a month to talk about all of the things that need to be done with the the amount of money that he's coming home with so we we talk about each time uh, how much are you going to tithe and how much are you going to do for offerings if there's any other charitable giving and then going through he's still got some college expenses in front of him that because of an agreement we made with him uh, earlier part of that is now on him and so he's got to set aside a portion for that so just going through that and now paying uh, for him to be on car insurance Uh, we decided that was something we would transition so we're not making him pay most of his expenses but he's paying enough to get used to the process and what I've seen in this that I frankly needed a reminder of is that that needs to be an ongoing conversation at least for him like I think my daughter will probably come to me and go mom already did my budget here it is you want to check it and it'll be perfect but for him we're going to need to do this on every paycheck for a few months and that's okay Okay, but I think the point is don't don't have the conversation and think that they've got it after just one time. Yeah. But I will also say, observing uh, you raising uh, your kids over the years, you have instilled some money discipline in them yes. way before they were earning a regular paycheck. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. And so I think that's that's yeah. the other thing, Scott. And it's that and these comments can sound like. Well, crap! I missed the boat, you yeah. know. And, and I, you know, I've got a kid who's who's 21 or 22, and he he's terrible with money, and I don't know what to do with this. But there's really hope. It's not like you missed the boat of education. Education can happen in the early years, or it can happen after you get out of high yeah. school and into college. And those disciplines can be built, but those disciplines have to be built. Yeah, I think about a couple of things along our child-rearing years. Uh, My late wife would never buy anything uh, full price. 
right? Mm-hmm. And and that was not necessarily, you know, a lot of that was born of necessity, right? I mean, we you know we had we had a certain yeah. amount of income, and, and we were budgeting, and we have never had credit card debt. We've been in debt with other things, but never credit card debt. It was just instilled in me at a younger, you know, yeah. you talk about a generational thing here too, but you're not supposed to have credit card debt. So I worked within the means of my budget, and I told uh, Nicole how much she had each month, and she would never buy anything full price. Now, I did have to have the conversation occasionally that we can no longer afford for you to keep saving us money. <laughs> because when she she could not pass up a deal, that was the yeah, other part. So yeah. we got more than we needed, even though we were saving money. Um, but that now has transpired down to my uh, adult now daughters. That's hard to say because they're 18, but they are technically adults. They will not, they go shopping for a prom dress. They go shopping yeah. for a, a, any kind of apparel. Mm-mm. They're not paying full price. They see the sticker shock and they're done with it. My daughter <laughs> is the same way. Even before she was tall enough to see the the sign on top of the rack that says sale or bargain or whatever it says, we had for so many times gone to the back of the store when we would go looking for something because that's where all the sale items are. Yeah. And she instinctively, she was probably about six or seven, she instinctively walked to the back and my husband was laughing. He, he said, she went straight to the sales rack that's and right. she looked up and she still couldn't see it. And she's like, I didn't know. I just knew mom always went to the back of the store. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know? that's right. But she knows now. Right? Yeah, yeah, she knows now. So I think that when you think about some of these items that we're talking about, it is about talking to your kids. It is about modeling behavior. They're going to pick up the behavior. We know that across the board, whatever kind of subject we're talking about. But I think when we talk about some other things we can do to set them up to get a leg up on their future, we have to start talking about college savings because I think that's an important part. And it is important, I think, to point out too, especially as financial advisors, uh, that we want you to take care of your retirement planning first. You need to be on track for your retirement plan. So if you don't have a plan, you need to build one. If you're not saving money for retirement, those things need to be decided first. But once that's in motion, once you have a savings rate, a contribution rate, and you're investing and you have a plan in place, certainly it can be a time to look towards how do you want to deal with college for your kids. College is an incredible expense these days. College costs have just astronomically gone up. They've been twice the inflation rate for a number of years. I'd hate to see what they're going to be now that the inflation rate is 6 or yeah. 7% or whatever yeah, right. it is right now. But, but realistically, I think the question has to be asked, number one, does your child need to go to college? Now, obviously, there's great benefit to going to college, but not every living soul on the planet is destined for college. What's their career choice? And yeah. frankly, there are there are a lot of career choices like HVAC is one I think of because we have a nephew who does that. And frankly, he will over his lifetime make more than a lot of college degree people sure. will. Yeah. And, and I think we, you know, if you think about the fact that we still need mechanics and yeah, we still absolutely. need HVAC people and yeah. we still need carpenters and people like that. They're very well paid uh, positions to be able to to do manual labor and, and things of that nature. So I think the first question in that is, does your child need to go to college? And mm-hmm. if that's the case, then great. Then there's a lot of ways to get a college education mm-hmm. without just breaking the bank. Well, let's talk about that for a little bit. John, years ago, you and I were at a conference where one of the um, executives at LPL was there and he kept looking at his phone and he apologized. He said, I'm 
so sorry. I'm waiting to hear from my son. He's a senior in high school, and he's supposed to be getting some news about a scholarship. And the deal was he wanted to go to a private university, and his dad had told him, look, if you go there, then you've got to cover everything that would be above the public university cost. Mm -hmm. I'm willing to help you on this one to that point, but beyond that, it's your responsibility. Well, this guy we're talking about made millions. I mean, he's one of the execs at LPL. That's a that's a large income. So it was not about the monetary capability of paying it or not paying it for the kid. It was about the discipline that he was instilling in his son and the responsibility that look beyond this point the responsibility is on you and i think kids tend to make a different decision and frankly i would also say look into what your options are like we have found out in this journey that our son is taking and i'm not going to do a commercial for a particular school but there's there is a way that he can get uh the first couple of years out spending about an eighth of what he thought he was going to spend it's it's crazy so that's exactly my point is that there are a lot of community based uh, junior colleges and, and universities and that type of thing that are way lower cost than let's say mm-hmm. a, uh, let's just use University of Arkansas or a Hendrix or something like that and I'm nothing against those institutions right. but but if you are cost conscious and mm-hmm. you need to be cost conscious college education can be achieved without breaking the bank yeah, and I think what you're going to study matters too right yes. I mean I think we've talked about before that if you're if you're planning to be a teacher do you really need to go to a higher priced school to have come out with debt when you could get that same degree at an equally uh, valuable university but more cost effective right. but if you are going to uh, begin saving uh, for your child's college education you can never do it too early although i do think all the, the things that you guys point out uh, as reasons to have other uh, routes possibly you don't know when that child is three years old if he's going to be he or she is going to be going to college right so right. it's kind of hard it makes it tricky to develop a plan but it's also never too late to save for your child's college and the most common thing when you talk a little bit about this because people come in sometimes and they have the numbers backwards but they they've heard of it in some way uh, this five two nine plan, right? I mean, yep. we ha- we're good with numbers on these re- on these qualified <laughs> accounts, aren't we? Four hundred one k, four hundred three b, all these things. There's a five two nine plan. Arkansas has one. The state of Arkansas has one, where your contributions up to ten thousand dollars a year are tax deductible off of your uh, state income tax, which is a highly valuable tool there. And then when you take that money out for qualified educational expenses, which there's a pretty wide range of things that that falls under which by the way does include uh before college you can actually pay i mean uh you can pay high school private school tuitions uh with that money as well all sorts of reasons but it does have to be a qualified educational expense but if you do that and it falls in those parameters, you can take it out tax-free. And there's a great value in that. There is a great value in that. I think the the real uh, pivot point is whether that child is going to go to college or not. Because yeah. if they don't go to a, a qualify, uh, an institution that has those qualified expenses, mm-hmm. then you get hammered with a 10% penalty for taking it out for something other than those qualified expenses. And so oftentimes, early on, I will have our clients to actually save into a joint uh, investment account 
between the husband and wife and just earmark that for their future. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Maybe it's college, maybe it's something else. But yes, you're missing the tax deferral and, and that type of thing, the tax deduction and all of that. But you're also not getting hit with a penalty if that child doesn't go to college. And so there's a lot of uh, pivot points, I'll call it, in that discussion. And oftentimes, parents really do want to have more control over that money uh, so they don't save a bunch and then uh, it all kind of go for naught. Yeah. Now, the other benefit of that is if one child doesn't use it, you can transfer it down right. to That's another exactly child. exactly right. So yeah. there's, there's some flexibility there as well, but it does have to be a qualified educational expense. The other thing I'll point out too, because uh, Tim Key, who I work with here in the West Little Rock office and myself, we're using the 529 and we did not start it early. We started it right about the time our kids went to college, but we can still put that money yeah. in to get that tax deduction, even if we're going to turn around and pay the tuition bill later in the year. So we're using that as a, as a great advantage to us uh, as well. And we do know clearly, definitively, what how much is going to be used for college. Sure. So that helps us determine how much to put in. So even if you're going to cash flow college, my point is you can still use a 529. If the government is going to give you that opportunity, yes. then by all means, take it because it does mean that you're actually paying for at least some of those expenses with pre-tax dollars. Yep. All right. So there's a, if you want to learn more about 529, obviously here at Gen Wealth, we're available to take your call and answer any questions you might have. But we're going to move on as we talk today in the Uh, Get Ready for the Future show about setting up the next generation to win. What are some moves you can make? What are some things you can do to talk to your kids about uh, money and help them make better financial decisions? Well, let's talk a little bit about life insurance. Uh, Life insurance, one of the most important types of insurance you should have, especially if you are still working. Now, this doesn't apply to your child at 18, probably doesn't apply at 21. But as they begin to work, as they begin to start a family, that's really when they need to be aware of life insurance and their need for it. So we look at it as when somebody is dependent upon their income, you need to already have something in place. Um, For our 18-year-old son, there's a life insurance policy in place, but it's Frankly, it's because I'm a financial advisor and that's the way my brain works. But <laughs> but it's there so that if anything happens between now and the time that he is uh, in a situation where somebody is dependent upon his income, there's at least already a foundation set. Uh, he'll need to get more coverage, a larger amount later on, but we've already got something in place for him. So that's important to look at when is somebody dependent upon you. But then let's look at this from the older you know, parent's uh, situation where like you're you're looking at your children being financially independent that's really the whole purpose of the show if something happens to you and there are children who are still financially dependent upon you if you don't have enough life insurance in place you are not setting them up for financial success moving forward yeah it, we we have a number of clients who have lost a spouse and they have life insurance proceeds that are sustaining the lifestyle of yes. that family uh, throughout the kids' high school and college and things of that nature. And, you know, you could argue lots of degrees in that, but but certainly you want to think about life insurance as an income replacement for your family. 
that's really the purpose of life insurance. That is what it is for. Uh, there's a lot of folks out there that will talk to you about life insurance and they'll, you know, make it the Swiss army knife and it slices, it dices, it washes the car. It, you know, it cleans the, the, uh, lint trap and the, in the dryer and all those types of things. I'm going to need that kind of life insurance. I don't have that type. Yeah. Well, (laughs) I I don't think it really exists. I think a lot of that is a sales pitch, but, but the key is that life insurance is for income replacement. And so you have to look at that, uh, as Scott, uh, mentioned fairly early on in your life. Mm-hmm. And, and the other thing I want to mention, and this is, you know, one of those once in a lifetime kind of things, but I think you have to think about life insurance while you're young and healthy, because life insurance is dependent, the issuance of a life insurance policy is dependent upon your health. Mm-hmm. And if you get a policy in place and you have coverage in place, then you don't have to worry if there is some disease that you encounter later in life and you go, oh, gee, I don't have any life insurance and now I can't get it. Yeah, and it doesn't have to be even something that's, you know, when you say disease, you kind of automatically think something terminal or whatever, but there's all kinds of issues that just... Guys, we're kind of all in this group. As we age, things right. start happening. You know, whether it's something like, you know, sleep apnea, as an example. It's not to say that you can't get life insurance, but it's not going to be as cheap as it would have been before that. But you're still eligible for coverage. So the point is, you've got to look at your family and the lifestyle that you guys have right now. If your check stopped coming home, then is your family able to maintain their lifestyle? And if the answer to that is no, and don't say, well, they can pay off their debt. You know, they can pay off the house and everything will be okay. Well, how are they going to do everything else? Well, and I think you touched on uh, uh, an excuse there, I'll call it. And I think that one of the biggest excuses, one of the biggest lies that is being told to people this day and time is that it's okay to depend on your employer plan to take care of your life insurance mm-hmm. need. Mm-hmm. Uh, that your life insurance that you have from your employer is is a nice icing on the cake, so to speak. You need your own personal coverage. Reason number one is if you ever leave that employer, mm-hmm. that coverage might not be portable. And if it is, it's more expensive. It is. That That's true. So, Secondly, you not might not be able to qualify for your own plan if you leave that employer. So right. you need to have your own plan in place, again, while you're healthy. And, you know, a lot of people will say, I can't afford it. Look, term insurance is incredibly cheap. It costs eh, maybe a dollar or two a day or something like that to have a sufficient amount of coverage in place. And that sufficient amount of coverage is there just in case. It's not there to save money inside a policy or anything of that nature. You're not going to have to pay big exorbitant premiums. Now, there are a lot of people that would love to sell you more expensive insurance, but what you really need is enough pure death benefit to cover the need that you have if your income is suddenly interrupted by uh, a sudden death. Think about your auto insurance. You know, nobody ever talks about, well, you can pay more for this type of auto insurance and it'll also be a savings instrument for you. No, it's just insurance. That's all we need it for. That's all you need life insurance for, too. It doesn't need to double as an investment product for you. Well, and I'll also say the second biggest lie that is being told about life insurance out there is that stay-at-home parents don't need it. Oh, yeah. So, you know, just think, if you had to hire everything that your stay-at-home spouse currently does if you had to pay for that out of pocket 
then where would you be? You would be financially strained. And so those are issues that I think surround life insurance that are that absolutely do need to be addressed in a good financial plan. Y'all are going to laugh at me over this because it's very much a role reversal in our home that we didn't plan, but this is the, the way things are. For us, my husband is the, the stay-at-home parent for health reasons, but what that means is I have not been to the grocery store like to go shopping for the family probably in like seven or eight years you and know where the sweet peas are that, you know I mean, you're my if, hero if i if i had to <laughs> I wish I hadn't gone like there. like i've gone you know uh, to pick up a thing or two but i haven't done the grocery shopping literally in that long and when i begin to think about all of the other things that he does taking kids to the doctor you know all of those things that i don't have to leave work for i would have to hire mary poppins to come and handle all of that stuff. So we use that phrase in a meeting room. We're like, okay, yeah, but if something happens to the stay-at-home spouse, you're going to need to hire Mary Poppins, and it's not free. Scott, can I go back to the education part of this before the show ends? Because I really want to hit on this. One of the things that we have done here at GenWealth is we believe in education. Uh, We obviously educate our our clients that are about ready to retire about the intricacies of trying to to fund their retirement throughout the rest of their life without a paycheck. But if you think about this end of the spectrum and setting your kids up for success financially – even if they've gone through high school and gotten a job, they still really stink at money or what have you, you really ought to inquire about our Money Works program mm-hmm. because our Money Works program is designed to teach people about money. It goes through the the basic tenets of, do you have an emergency fund? Do you have the, a need for life insurance? And if you do, do you have the right amount of life insurance? Do you have all of these things that are, are necessary for a good, solid, basic foundation in personal finance, MoneyWorks does that for you. It is a combination of of using technology and the advice of a, a professional financial advisor together, working with you to not only educate you, but to move you uh, down the road so that there is actually a practical application of that. We talked about that earlier in the show. There's got to be a practical application of it because knowledge is just not enough. You've got to be able to be coached into uh, financial independence, if you will, and a good place financially. And I think MoneyWorks is a great tool to be able to do that. Well, to build on that, it is a small monthly subscription fee to be a part of that. So if you really want to set your children up for financial success and they're just starting out and they are struggling to even think about 25 or 30 dollars a month pay that subscription fee for them and get Mm -hmm. them on track and it would be a great opportunity for them to grow into financial wellness and then the other thing i think about that too when you talked about the program and the software we need that to create our discipline we've said on this show so many times about putting that contribution into your 401k set it on automatic pilot that's the best way to save it's the best way for me personally to save and make sure i do it in a disciplined way is to set it and forget it and make sure it's automatic you see that come together when you have it online in your portal and you're able to punch buttons and see things get better yeah, and I think this uh, this generation loves to yeah. be interactive with things. And so uh, it's not just someone in their ear talking to them and saying, you need to do this, you need to do this, you need to do this. And there's no 
follow through on that. They actually can sit down on their laptop or on their phone mm-hmm. or whatever the case may be and actually engage with the MoneyWorks software to actually see what their next step is supposed to be. It's if you envision like the Netflix images, you know, if you want to watch this movie, this movie, this movie, it, it's set up like that with financial topics. So you can score yourself on how, how are you financially? What's your what's your score as far as your financial independence? as we were talking about and how do you raise that score well it's different for you than it is for your buddy what do you need to do the tech uh, phrase for that is gamification yeah and 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 you you start with this baseline score wherever you are right now and it's a game to get that score up and as you get that score up you're actually making substantive improvements on your finances and scott i think that it's really a great program for people who have kids. And matter of fact, it's a great way to say, let me just fund that for you. Mm-hmm. It's 30 bucks a month. It's not that big a deal. Uh, you can engage with a financial advisor and the software all for that price. And so it's really very much a, a great tool that we put together here at GenWealth because we know how important this mm-hmm. educational process is to financial independence. We only have a little over a minute left before we're going to hit our final thoughts, but I can't uh, let the show in without talking about one final thing you can do to help set your kids up for a better financial future. My son, uh, Garrett, who is actually part of our radio crew Mm -hmm. from time to time, he's not here today, but he's in college, 21 years old. He has been contributing to a Roth IRA for the last three or four years. I think that's a great thing to do when when children start to make money, guys, to be able to, even if it's, he started at $100 a month, he's up to $200 a month now because Mm -hmm. that, going back to that discipline, he is consistently putting in, if he never stops that, if he really really never even raises the amount he's putting in, right. think about the compound interest that's going to occur when he began at 18 years old. Yeah, the, the payoff there for him will be many years down the road when he has this huge pool of tax-free money yeah. for his retirement. Yeah. And, and the Roth IRA is actually a very flexible investment instrument. He, he's able to actually access the principal in that if he had an emergency or something that, that was outside the bounds of his emergency fund. He could actually access that principal without a penalty. And so there, it's really, really a, a nice thing to be uh, setting a kid up for, for their future. I knew that bell was about to ring. <laughs> it is time for our final thoughts. And Janet, we'll start with you. So let's talk again about how do you set up the next generation to win financially. So a few thoughts on that. Start out with looking at your own habits and setting some boundaries for what your uh, your children are going to do. And be sure that you're looking at your habits honestly. If it's a habit that you don't want them to have, be comfortable talking about that. And then I would say set aside kid money. John kind of talked about this. It may be for college. It may not be, but it helps them get started out in life, whether it goes to college education or down payment on a house. It just helps them move forward. But be sure before you do that, that you have taken care of your own finances to be independent yourself. Janet, I think that it's clear that financial independence for young folks is on the decline. There's a lot of pressure out Mm -hmm. there. There's a lot of need out there and that type of thing. Now, your kids can go, you know, the normal way. And that is to be trying to figure out money for a good number of years through the early part of their life and maybe not figure it out. 
or they could begin to instill those disciplines that we've talked about through a fun and very inexpensive program to be able to get to that spot where financial independence is not only within reach, but is a real possibility for them. I think that that is incredibly important that you have that conversation with your, your even your adult children to see if you can get them on a better track. And my final thought is a final thought I have many weeks. Without a plan, the future just happens to you. Think about that. We've got an opportunity for you to get a free resource to learn 10 ways to shift your perspective of financial planning. All you have to do to get it is text the word plan to 501-381-5228, or you can visit getreadyforthefuture.com forward slash plan to get your copy today. And that's all the time we have for this week's Get Ready for the Future show. Hope we've given you a few pointers if you're a parent helping to set up the next generation to win. And we'll talk to you again next time. Hope you'll join us then. Thank you for listening to the Get Ready for the Future show. If you enjoy hearing from the Gen Wealth team every week, make sure and subscribe to the podcast. And if you want to help us get the word out on building toward financial independence, share the podcast with your friends and family. The Gen Wealth financial team is available to you 24-7 at info at getreadyforthefuture.com or call our offices at 866-653-PLAN. That's 866-653-7526. You should personally consult a financial advisor before making any investment, and no strategy can assure success. GenWealth Financial Advisors is an Arkansas-registered investment advisor with securities offered through LPL Financial. Member FINRA SIPC.